Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola chula, it's me, Dalida. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for a community, tools to ditch the diet, help with finding authentic health and keeping your culture alive, join my membership brought to you by today's sponsor, me. Before we start, have we told you lately how much we appreciate you? We appreciate that so many of you are out there breaking the bonds of generational diet trauma by opening your minds and learning with us. It really means something, you know? And Delina and I created this podcast because our mission is to break the diet cycle for the next generation. And we know that can't happen without you. That's why if you found benefit from this podcast, we really want you to review and rate us. You know, someone just like you is feeling really lost right now. And by rating and reviewing the podcast, you make it more likely that she's gonna find the information she needs, just like you did to break free from the diet cycle. Will you chip in with us and rate or review the podcast today? It is always a special moment when we can bring in a former client from either one of me or Delina's programs. We appreciate it so much because like many of you, the people we bring on our podcast, the folks we worked with felt just like you at one point. They weren't sure if intuitive eating would be the right move for them. They weren't sure what it would be like to stop using extreme dieting practices, beating themselves up, food guilt, shame, all the things you're used to using to motivate yourself. They were worried about it too. And so I'm always very excited to share their stories because not only do you learn from their example, you also learn how they made that decision to finally take the leap of faith on this whole new model of intuitive eating. For a lot of you, this is radically different than what you were praised for, maybe even starting as a little kid, or what you were prescribed from doctors and others. And so I can't wait for you to hear Steph's story so that you can understand what it's really like to go through that transformative process of breaking the diet cycle. So let's jump in and hear a little bit from Steph. We have a very special guest with us today. Talk about something I know many people face after they've had a child, which is this idea that your body must bounce back in order for you to feel like you're doing a good job in your postpartum life. And so today I'm thrilled to invite Steph, who is a former client of mine, to talk a little bit about her experience. Before we jump in on this conversation today, Steph, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Steph. I am a teacher and my son is seven months old as of Sunday. Very exciting. Yeah. So he'll be one in August. So I'm seven months postpartum officially. And actually before it, since our focus is going to be on the postpartum journey. So before I delivered Ryan, so he was due September 3rd, I ended up having a C-section August 6th because I was diagnosed with preeclampsia. 
And there were some things I knew about that, but I, I know a little bit more now. And I think that, you know, there's a, a lot that happened during postpartum that I was, didn't really have a lot of information on, wasn't educated on and really influenced and drove my story with dieting and intuitive eating. Yeah. I remember when we first met on discovery call, you had Ryan there with you and I was just so impressed with you. Cause you were like, uh, I've got a lot going on right now, but I know that this struggle is not something I need to carry additional to everything else that I'm going through as a new mom. So I really admired that about you. Yeah. Even well, pregnancy, you know, tested a lot of my dieting beliefs anyway, cause it, it was inevitable. I was going to gain weight no matter what I did, but it was the postpartum that really like, Oh, I like for some people, yeah, they do lose it quickly. And sometimes yeah. it's, you don't. Well, Delina, like, I don't know how you felt when you were pregnant, but I always hear people say like, you're quote, supposed to get bigger when you're pregnant. And so some of the body image stuff doesn't feel as intense during that time. But as soon as the baby's born, yeah. then it all comes flooding back. Did you guys both deal with that? Or what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I definitely dealt with some body image stuff while I was pregnant, just because it was inevitable. And I had a hard time accepting that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say that I think a lot of my clients and even people in my personal life definitely struggled with that part of like, they know that the weight gain is inevitable, but their brain and their body, like, it's like their brain and their emotions don't click, right? Like they just, you know, it has to happen, but you still are so afraid of that number changing. And honestly, OBGYNs and like just the medical system and going to the doctors does not make it any better because they're always weighing you. They're always talking about your weight, whether it's good, bad, not enough, too much. Like there's, you know, always... There's never just, you never just feel, com- at least I don't know about you, Stephanie, but like my experience was never one that was comfortable going to the OBGYN because there was yeah. always talk. There, it, it didn't matter what it was. It was either talk of like, you, you're not gaining enough. You're not doing this you're do- or you're doing too much. Or like, it was always like the bad and never like the good. Yeah. Not even just about weight, weight gain, but in general, they want to make sure that they're telling you all of the bad stuff to protect themselves. But my personal experience, it was after I had Ryan, that was the first time they had a comment like, Oh, you lost weight. And my response, and I didn't even realize the effect it would have, but I'm just like, well, yeah, I was running a marathon and I didn't have time to eat. And I think my doctor was startled and I didn't mean it as like a jab, but I think that's how she (laughs) took it. Right. Well, yeah, we kind of get this, it stings. And sometimes our first reaction is to kind of be sarcastic or push back a little because it, it can feel shocking to hear those, those comments in that moment. So Steph, let's kind of, kind of go back in time. Let's hit rewind a little bit here. So prior to having your son, tell us a little bit about your history with dieting. For me, it started when I was in high school. I just, and it like, I just feel like, you know, people are always dieting, at least the people closest to me. I just felt like I just internalized a lot of diet talk and, subconsciously, like, even though I wasn't clinically overweight at the time, it just like, I was constantly dieting. I was like, so I I wasn't like, I was still eating enough, but like, if I had something with too much calories, I would run on the treadmill and I have bad knees because I was like over exercising. And some people think like, oh, you have bad knees. You need to lose weight. Like, no, I got the bad knees when I was thin and I was yeah, I got the bad knees when I was in the midst of an eating disorder and had no idea. Yeah, that's such a great point, right? Like 
someone messaged me the other day about the news that has come out about the number of steps per day and that 10,000 is sort of arbitrary. I forget the exact number, Delene. I think it's either six or 7,000 are actually found to be like think, the, yeah. the max benefit. And if you do more than that, you're not actually getting more. And I only bring this up now because it's like that mentality of like, just keep running, running, moving, moving, moving. It's healthier. But you're bringing up a great point. Like we can hurt ourselves other ways physically through over-exercise. So that sounds like it was part of your story before the postpartum stuff came up. Yeah. And, you know, as time went on, eventually, like, I think from just not dealing with it and because I was doing things that was considerably socially acceptable, like it was overlooked by a lot of people, including professionals, because I just presented myself really well and I seemed really eager and I seemed like the good student. So those are usually the types that get overlooked. <laughs> hundred percent. Thank you for saying that. Cause you're right. Like I talk about this on my page a lot, like people get prescribed and praised for weight loss behaviors when they are in bigger bodies. And if we saw, and sometimes not, we just had another guest on, like, like you're saying too, like sometimes it's not even that you're in a bigger body. People just think that that's the good and right way to be. And I would ask us all to question that, you know, that that isn't necessarily a healthy thing to be pursuing that. You don't always yeah, I feel like a lot of my weight gain was in college and I'm starting to hate the term, the freshman 15. Cause really I think it's a lot of eating disorders just as a result of not dealing with them in the past. And that's because people are breaking away from their families. That's when a lot of that stuff starts coming up. Right. Right. Like food rebellion or restriction, alcohol, there's all sorts of stuff that comes up in college for people that maybe wasn't happening back at home when they were younger. Yeah. yeah. You know, before you became pregnant and you had your son, was intuitive eating on your radar? Like, when did you make that choice? No, so intuitive eating was on my radar when I was pregnant. And yeah, because it was one of those, like, I don't have a, like, I'm going to gain weight no matter what. Like, I'm like, and I got comfortable eating whatever I wanted, even though my brain was, was telling me like, oh, once you have Ryan, you have to go back to your old ways, but I just was not feeling it. I, I liked being able to have whatever I wanted, but I, I still had that internal struggle. Yeah. So tell me about the struggle. What was that like? So two of my friends are getting married and I was uh, getting fitted for bridesmaid dresses. And I was at the time two months postpartum and I was just, you know, I started to get hung up in the numbers and a lot of my old thinking came back. But at the same time, I knew that this diet stuff wasn't working, but I was still having body image issues. And then lo and behold, like I happened to go on Instagram, Melissa, and, and your Instagram popped up right in front of me. And that was it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's just that right message at the right time. And it's yeah. true for a lot of our clients that it's just, you know, that that's the time to start working on it. Even though you've been watching it, that it sounds like that experience with like the bridesmaids dresses made it feel a little bit more tense and a little more real for you. And that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So when you came into coaching, what were you hoping for out of that? Because you know, you hear someone, you had a ton of awareness, I thought, coming in. You were like, LOL, I get the diets don't work. I'm looking back at those college years. I definitely don't want to go back to that again. You had your son, you were feeling all these ways. What was it that you were hoping coaching would support you with? I just just feel more at peace with my body image because it's always been at the forefront of my mind. I mean, it still is and it's still a struggle, but I felt like I've tried in the past, whether it was through dieting or I even tried coaches, but it never really felt satisfying because the people around me, I just felt didn't get it. 
Mm. And because sometimes I work with people who maybe they've never struggled with body image or they've always had what's considered a healthy weight. It's a specific experience that you were going through. And like you're saying specifically, like at the doctor, like there's different things that maybe you weren't accounted for in other spaces for you. Yeah. When we got started, we definitely did a little bit of work around food guilt, but you're right that body image was a main focus of our time together. Yeah. What do you remember from like takeaways from that time that really helped you to shift your attitude toward yourself? It helped. So it helps me with my coping skills. I think like, not that this stuff is going to go away, but I just learned how to deal with it better. And I have other outlets and other tools that are healthier and I can not regret my food choices now, even when I am in that space, it's like, I can look back and say, nope, I don't regret it because it came from me and it didn't come from outside influences. Mm, I didn't choose something out of (laughs) obligation. Yes. That authenticity. And Lena, I have to tell you, Steph's secret talent is making playlists and curating beautiful. Like she is the most organized person ever. And part of the thing I loved about well, you, was like, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad I come across that way. Cause sometimes I don't feel organized, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's how you see me. <laughs> well, I mean, I honestly, I'm, I'm switching from Apple podcasts over to Spotify lately. I don't know why. And I'm, there's a camp there's Apple people and there's Spotify people. And I understand Spotify is better for playlists. Does, does anyone agree with us here? Yeah, I, um, I actually don't have Spotify, but Apple, like that was my frustration is I couldn't make my own playlist. So I went rogue and I have Amazon where they do have the ones that made for me, but then I can make my own if I want to. Wait a second. I'm confused. You can make playlists. What what does this mean? Like you can, you can make podcast playlists. Oh, well, music playlists. I'm just saying I switched over to Spotify because my favorite podcast. Yeah. yeah, You can make playlists. Yeah. Do you make playlists? Yeah. It's a hobby I want to get into. <laughs> we should make a playlist for the, the BTDC community. We could. Okay, put that down. Put that on the notes board. We'll follow up on that later. <laughs> not me. You can put it on the notes board. I'm not going to remember this because I'm okay, not actually, organized. Anyone? <laughs> That's clear. And <laughs> this, we need your creativity, though. We're going to get some reggaeton on there. Anyways, you know. I digress. I digress. So for you, focusing on the body image part, I mean, I think you were so wise to know that because many people might put that off and say like, that's too heavy. That's too hard. But for you, that was sort of the piece that allowed you to feel more authentic and also make it that your relationship with food sort of settled into place naturally. So that was your strategy during our coaching. I think, and a part of it is like, I've always known for years that this was BS and it was just nice (laughs) to have confirmation from other people. Yeah. And in our community too, like you had our coaching calls, but then we had also our space where we could kind of hear from other people's stories together. I have to ask you this because of course there's positives to intuitive eating, but as Delina always says, it's not all unicorns and rainbows. What would you say was the biggest challenge? And then how did you work through that? What was your biggest challenge through our time together? Um, I think just getting rid of a lot of the diet rules that are always talked about. Yeah. And just find, and I think finding something that worked for me. And I think with diets in the past, like I never felt like it was really for me. And then I was just, you know, doomed for failure. But I I think it's like, oh, I finally have room to be creative. And like lacking that structure was a little hardening in the beginning, disheartening in the beginning, because I'm just so used to the structure. And it's like, oh, I can have what I want and we'll be okay. Like flexibility. Yeah. Especially if you've done programs in the past, people are really used to like 
you basically come into a weight loss program and like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to start tracking every day. We're going to, you know, like there's a list of things to do, which is an accountability buddy. They always encourage the accountability buddy. That's a good point too, right? Like your accountability buddy, right? There's a whole term that came out of that. Accountability. Well, I can't even say the accountability buddy, but I think if I can interject here, I think that Melissa, that's what we, we provide, right? Like because diets, like you say, Stephanie, provide so much of that, like accountability that sometimes when you go into intuitive eating, it feels like you're not. So us being able to provide these communities, I think does allow you to have not accountability because I hate that word because people use it in such a diety way, but literally just community to just come in and be like, y'all, I'm having a crap be day. Like I, you know, I just think about like the, the things that happen in my, in my membership and people talking about like, you know, they had a hard day at, at going to the doctors and, you know, they try to stand up for themselves and, and they couldn't. And then everybody comes in and it's like, it's okay. Next time try this. And the, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that community. So it's not accountability, but it is what's, is there another word? Well, community is good. But it is accountability. Compassion. Yeah. There you go. Accountable too. Like when you're in a diet program, when accountability means sticking to that plan, no matter what, like yeah. my accountability buddy is saying like, did you log your calories? Even mm-hmm. though you were exhausted today, did you skip dessert? Even though you wanted it, did you mm-hmm. work out even though you were tired? So like, that's why accountability feels like shit because it's yeah. always linked to like overriding yeah. yourself. Yeah. I think we do offer accountability, but it's to that compassion and empathy. Like, yes. Did you listen to yourself? Yeah, I think that was just a shift in me. Like, I don't have that accountability. You're like, it's really disguised as a food police. Mm. And then now it's just like trusting myself. Yeah. That's why dietitians are often like, not all of us are the food police. Some of us might be, but yeah, like you kind of get close to a dietitian or a program and you're like, oh no, I'm going to have to be accountable to someone that can send up some lead flags because it was traumatic in the past to be accountable. So that's not lost on us. If you're feeling like some kind of way, taking the leap into a program, I get it. And I'm here to tell you, you ain't not getting that treatment again. That's, that's a thing in the past in the intuitive eating world, in our world. What would you say was most surprising about your progress in the program? Well, I know I've talked about this with you, Melissa. I think, you know, I, I expected that I was like, oh, it's okay to have a dessert that part I, I accepted would happen, but part like some of the healthier foods that were considered diet foods, start, I started to feel okay with choosing on my own and not because I feel like that's the right thing to do. Yeah. That's like the allergic to healthy foods feeling people tell us a lot about, like they force themselves for so long or associated. Like I hear about smoothies a lot. I hear about salads a lot. Hum- someone told me they're eating hummus every day, even though they hate it. I'm like, then don't eat hummus. Yeah, like, oh. like, eat, like some of the people in my life who are thin, they have just vegetables or they have just hummus or they don't have dairy. They don't have gluten. They don't have meat. Some of them don't have meat. Like I, I suppose when like those things start to become like the enemy, when you feel like, well, this is like, this is the right way to do things. And I tend to be drawn more to this instead. So I think it's just finding that balance. Yeah. And little by little, like you said, like the neutrality around former forbidden foods, what we tend to think about as when we're on diets, like cookies, sweets, pizza, that kind of stuff. Yes, we neutralize those things, but that wound up neutralizing all foods so that you, I remember one day you were like, OMG, I just craved a salad. I don't feel deprived. 
I actually really wanted it. I ate it. I moved on. It's not a big deal. And I'm not forcing myself to eat them every day this week. Right. Like it was just a thing and you moved on, which I know felt very surprising to you. (laughs) Yes. I was not expecting that. And I even craved smoothies and had the same reaction. Like, Oh, smoothies used to be a chore. And now I, sometimes I just want it. (laughs) Yeah. That's the trust part, right? Like you got to do the work to get there. But then when you do, you can't unlearn that. Like that's just a part of how you approach food, which is really cool. You know, I always wonder about people listening to these episodes with a former client. Can you share like, why did you want to come on the podcast? What did it mean to you to be able to share your message today? I just feel it's important, you know, like when I go on Instagram and I read some of what you say other clients have said, and like a lot of it resonated with me, like, well, maybe something I said is going to resonate with somebody too, and make them feel less alone. Yeah. This pay it forward thing. I think a lot of us are interested in because we all know anyone who's done this work to become more in tune with themselves and honor they, how they feel like we know how hard it is. And I mm-hmm. think we're all really invested. That's like the break the diet cycle mission that me and Selena have. Like we really want all of you to feel empowered to change your life and then share your story because it's going to inspire someone else. I appreciate you sharing yours today. Is there anything else you'd want somewhere in a similar spot to you, especially someone who is postpartum? What, what would you want them to know and hear? Nobody talks about or can prepare you for postpartum. I think it's something that it's really hard to explain to someone who's never been through it. And like, I even shared that with, with a friend I know who is a parent. I'm like, yeah, you can't explain parenting to someone who has never been through it. I mean, it, before I was a parent, there was things I intellectually got, but I, I, now that I'm in the trenches and I'm going through all the emotional ups and downs, it's the same thing with postpartum. And I think a lot I'm learning every day. There's a lot of hormones involved and especially now that I'm not breastfeeding anymore, like my cravings are all over the place. Like I used to be really ravenous and now like, and, and I heard that it'll take about three months for your body to like, not get that ravenous feeling, which I had no idea. Yeah. None. It's I've never heard. What'd you say, Delina? It's a mind fuck. Yeah. It's so much. It's so much because again, it's the hormones. And again, just to kind of like, talk a little bit about this. It's like, we get told that everything's just going to go back to normal after you have a, a baby. And it's like, especially it takes when you know months. someone that's yeah. dropped the weight mm-hmm. really quickly, that kind of reinforces mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's like you expect your body to just be bounce back, but like not even just bounce back weight related, but just like everything else you were oh, supposed I was to gonna do. Say that yeah. Like sure. everything. And it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't. And sometimes listen, Bryson's going to be five and I still feel like I'm not okay. <laughs> it's still normalizing. It's still- it's a new normal. It seems it's a like, new normal. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. It's hard to even imagine. Uh, Your yeah. Body did an amazing thing. And to expect, I think that that's what I really it angers me about diet culture, snapback culture, like postpartum, like diet culture is that your body is not the same anymore because it literally shifted to grow life. You're never going to go back. Even if like you look the same, your body's technically not even, your brain changes. Right. You're yeah, not my the same changing. person. <laughs> my body started changing even before I was pregnant. So bonus piece of information that I don't even think Melissa knows. Ryan was an IVF baby. And when Matt, when my husband and I were trying to get pregnant, like they kept saying like, Oh, lose the weight, lose the weight, lose the weight. But I didn't made no ounce of difference. And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't me. <laughs> I don't even know if I should. I will tell you even before, like, yeah. cause I think they just assume like, Oh, you got to lose. The weight, it, yeah. 
Yep. That resonates. And you know, the more people talk about it, like infertility does not just impact women. It equally impacts men. It is. Yeah. And I think sometimes people assume when, when someone's overweight, like, Oh, Oh, you got to lose it. And it's like, "Mm, not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you. I know what art was mo- the topic was mostly in postpartum, but since we were talking about it, I just thought like my body was changing even before I was pregnant. Yeah. Well, you're yeah, right. yeah. And and I think this is what makes you it made you such an amazing person to work with. Like your ability to say, wait a minute, I deserve respect. I deserve good care. Like I know in the past you weren't always clear on how exactly to act on that, but that has always been inside of you stuff. Like, and that's the part that always was such a joy working with you is you had that lens to be like, wait a minute, (laughs) that's not right. And you got yourself the support and you ran with it. I mean, in three months, it was really incredible to watch those shifts in you. So thank you for sharing this. Cause I'm positive. Someone listening is like bobblehead nodding, like, "Uh mm -hmm, uh-huh. Uh-huh. We do need to talk about this stuff because otherwise we think. Yeah, and I don't think enough people do. Right. You're like, not broken. Like when I started opening up, then all of a sudden people are like, they either knew somebody or it happened to them. Yeah. Well, so. you're such a role model for that. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you took a break from your school teaching today. It meant the world to us to spend some time together. Thanks for oh, being on the podcast, Steph. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. This was really fun. Thank you. Right, and I see my flag in the background behind you. There's the Dominican flag. Oh, yeah, I'm a Spanish teacher, and so that's all the Spanish-speaking country flags. Yes, we are in the classroom right now. <laughs> you yeah, know, I um, the last time I chatted with Melissa, I was at my teacher desk, but I'm like, I because I don't know if a, if someone's gonna barge in yeah. at any minute. So I lock the doors and we go back. <laughs> don't all teachers everywhere are hiding in closets for five seconds of peace. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. thank you. We'll let you go You're back to teaching these kids. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, my contract, I can leave now. So yeah, so thank you so much for having me. This was great. Yay, thank you. <laughs> that was such a treat to talk to Steph. I really admire her as a person. She is a teacher. She is a mom. You know, as much as she felt sort of on the fence about intuitive eating sometimes, she always believed in herself and she kept going. I think that's such an important thing that we we can all feel inspired by. Like when you see people who struggle and get up and try again, it makes all the difference. And I want to say, if any of you are inspired by Steph's story today and you're like, I think I could make this happen with the right support. I could make this happen if someone would just give me the feedback and help me understand what am I doing wrong? Why is it that I'm doing the intuitive eating I see on Instagram and nothing seems to be happening? We can talk about all of that. And so if you are looking for support, I want you to DM me at no.more.guilt just say hello. I can hear a little bit about your struggles, maybe offer you into my one-to-one coaching that's always going on, or let you know about a special offer. I rotate them periodically. Things like memberships, small group coaching, and courses. Whatever it is that you need, I'm positive we can find a way to support you with Inside No More Guilt. So give me a message or head over to melissalandrynutrition.com. Thanks for being here and for being who you are. Eat, love, and break the diet cycle.